You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Just starting with review what we've done over the last several weeks. Uh, When the world encounters us, uh, a son or a daughter of God filled with the presence of God, what are they left with? This has been the topic of conversation over several weeks. Uh, Now we're looking at six particular takeaways that they should be left with, six foundational things that they should encounter, they should be left with as they encounter the sons and daughters of God. And the first of those being that God is good. The second one that we talked about is that nothing is impossible. And those two are both experiential things. They cannot experience that in us if we have not experienced it for ourselves, have testimony to it, and then remember that we've experienced it. We're very good at forgetting all that God has done. We forget the goodness of God in moments of difficulty. And he could have been good to us yesterday, but today is a hard day and I've forgotten the goodness of God. So we've come to this understanding as well that you can't give away what you forget that you have. And so I can't I can't give this away. These people can't be left with these encounters if I forget my own testimony, my own experience with the Lord and the things that he's done for me, the things that he's spoken over me and what I know to be true. And then most recently, uh, we've looked at the third takeaway, and that is that Jesus has won absolute victory. And this has been one of the most profound studies for me as far as just looking. I mean, all of this is amazing and it's profound, but Jesus, this third point, Jesus has won absolute victory. And we concluded this one last week by discussing the reality that there is a life that we are not made for. Just reflecting on that truth that Jesus has won absolute victory has been amazing for me Uh, Over several weeks, it still is amazing for me. There's such a life that is meant to be unlocked in the believer when we understand and operate in that reality that we are a product of Jesus winning absolute victory. And what absolute victory completely means is recognizing that there is absolutely no doubt who the victor is. And so this being the life Jesus won absolute victory and complete victory over is what we looked at last week. Things like anxiety, depression, hopelessness, doubt, division, fear. All of these things Jesus won victory over. So we born into victory. We born the day after because we are not, uh, we are not children. We are not products of Jesus before the cross. We are a product of Jesus after the cross. So we are those that are only meant to know a life of victory because we are a product of the day after Jesus has won absolute victory. So we don't know war. We don't know a battle. We don't know a struggle. We don't know a striving. We don't know what it is to sacrifice to stay in the good graces of God. All we know is that we have to say yes to Jesus. His sin washes us white as snow. And then God from that point on will only see us as this new creation that has been washed by the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus carried and bore my sin. He who knew no sin bore the sins of man on the cross and so that I could look to God and he would not see my sin. He would see the blood of Jesus. And that is the product uh, that we have been born into, born into absolute victory and we are freed from all of these things. We are not meant to as believers. And this is really understanding that we are in the world, not of it. 
So we are not meant to know the things that are of the world. Anxiety, depression, hopelessness, doubt, division, fear. These are things that are of the world, fruits of the world. And we are not of the world. We can articulate these things. We can see these things. We can recognize what they are. But we are not meant to be able to wear them in our own story as, yes, I know what it is to be live a life of depression and anxiety. We're not meant for that. That is not the life that we were born into so that we could experience the things that Jesus freed us from. That is not it. There is no kingdom of division. There is no kingdom of fear. And there's no kingdom of doubt that exists anymore in any kind of power. There are remnants of it, but Jesus won absolute victory over it so that we would not have to live in it. It's going back to this video of Graham Cook. He had this vision. He was in heaven. And Jesus became... Uh, was coming up a hill approaching him and he said he was very angry and he could tell he was very angry and he was approaching him with such authority he was almost stomping his feet and the closer Jesus got to him the more fear he had in him because he recognized Jesus was looking right at him and he was coming right for him and the second he got to him the only thing Jesus says was give me back my stuff and after this vision the conclusion what we there's more to that story but the conclusion of it is that we come to this place and Jesus is saying, you are carrying things that I paid a price for so that you would not have to live them. You would not have to experience them. You would not have testimony saying that I know what it is to live in depression because I bought them. It's mine. It doesn't belong to you. And that is what it means that Jesus has won absolute victory. And we discussed, too, that what is at the root of this life that we are not meant for, what is found, I've already mentioned it, but what is found in every one of these things, anxiety, depression, doubt, division, fear, every one of these things can come back to one thing, and that is hopelessness. Because, too, we serve a God of hope, and this world is the opposite of the God that we serve. It is a, it is a world of turmoil, and we are children of victory in the world, not of it. We're meant to bring the victory into this world, and we serve a God of hope. And, of course, we're meant to bring God into this world. So, of course, what the world carries is the opposite of the God of hope, and that is hopelessness. They carry hopelessness. And we looked at why hopelessness exists, particularly in the believer. Because, going back to the original phrase, you cannot give away what you do not have. And if you do not have hope, you cannot give away hope. You can only give away hopelessness if you have hopelessness. But where, why, do the, why does hopelessness exist in the believer? Again, we are quick to forget and we choose disbelief. We choose disbelief because we, we attach so much of our relationship to God and the profound things that we desire for Him to do. We attach those things to a profound moment and a profound feeling. And if there wasn't a profound moment and a profound feeling, and that profound moment is defined by that profound feeling, then it probably didn't happen. And that's just not true. That would be to say those that were uh, here last, or just this last Sunday, what, what the Lord uh, showed us in the vision that we executed through the service, um, that would be to say that if the walls weren't shaking, I didn't have this crazy emotional response that what I was anointed for in that moment didn't happen. Not true. It absolutely happened. Whether you choose to believe it or not is totally up to you. But if you're waiting on a feeling or some profound moment that's going to shake the walls and the earth is going to split and lightning's going to strike and it's going to ride it, lightning's just going to perfectly ride out everything that's happened right there before you on the street, you'll always be waiting. Because God did not remove our choice 
when He destroyed the kingdom of darkness, when He, he created us for absolute victory, He did not remove our choice because it is our choice that brings power. It is our choice to choose God and choose His business and choose establishing the kingdom and choose to believe all that He has said to be true. But we stop choosing to believe and when you, you can't live in between, you can't just be like, well, I don't really... I, 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 it's not that I don't believe, but I, I'm having a hard time believing. No, if you don't believe it, you have chosen disbelief. There's no in-between. There's no riding the fence. You can't tell me that anybody has successfully ridden a fence. You can't sit with a foot on one side of the fence and a foot on the other side of the fence and do anything productive. You can only hope to not fall over. And to say that you could be on the side of believing all that God has done in the side of not believing all that God has done, that you could exist on both sides is false. You will only exist on the side that believes God has done nothing. You cannot kind of believe that God has done things. You either believe it or you don't. There is no gray. It's black and white. And so we recognize that and we talked about that, how um, we are meant to exist on the side of victory and we are meant to choose and choose to believe and be quick to remember all that God has done and all that He has said and all that He has spoken over you individually, all that He's spoken over this church, all that He's spoken over this community. It is our choice to believe in these things. And when we choose to believe in these things, we choose to believe that Jesus won absolute victory. And when I choose to believe it and I'm quick to remember what that means for me, I can then give it to those around me. And they can then be left with that reality. They can then have this takeaway. They can walk away believing God is good. Nothing is impossible and Jesus has won absolute victory. And all those three being rooted in hope because they encountered someone that carried hope. But I cannot give away what I do not have and I cannot give away what I forget that I have. So we must remember the absolute victory we exist in and choose to believe in everything um, that comes. Uh, that doesn't make sense. We must remember and choose to believe absolute victory in every situation and everything that comes into our story. We must choose to believe in the absolute victory. So today, the fourth takeaway that we want to talk about, the fourth takeaway for an encounter with a vessel carrying the presence of God. And you are a vessel carrying the presence of God. That is what it says. I love uh, in 1 Corinthians when it talks about that the temple of God is holy and you are that temple. We are those that carry the presence of God. What a beautiful scripture. What a beautiful truth. So they should be left with this reality. As they encounter us, those that carry the presence of God, they should be left with this fourth takeaway that they are significant. So this truth coming from us to them and over them, what the fourth point really is, is that you are significant. They should be left with this reality that I am significant. I'm not special. Not special. What a terrible word. I mean, that's like, I would never say to my kid, you're special. It just seems so lackluster, like I've forgotten something and I've run out of something to say. And so, oh, well, you're just, you're special. It seems almost as an insult. And the reality is, is that they are significant. They are unique. Significant, special, there's, I, I can have, a special day. And I can have multiple special days. There can be a special occasion. We can have a lot of special occasions. But significant, I have this one son, Liam, 
and I'll never have another one like him, and he will never exist again on this earth. He's significant. Because of that one truth right there, that no one has ever existed like him, and no one like him will ever exist after him. That means he's significant. It adds so much value to a person's story, but there are so many people that walk around not believing that there is any significance to them. How far away from the truth that is, because what I just described over my eldest son, Liam, is true for everyone that has breath, that ever has had breath, that ever will have breath on this earth. That is the truth about them. Because you tell me, how many Jesuses have we encountered? There's only been one. Now we get to be Jesus here on earth, but there's only been one of them. Uh, George Washington, have you guys seen him walk in the streets again? There was only one. In the time that he existed and no one will ever come after him that exists like him. It was only one. So there's significance in that reality that we are the only version of, I'm the only version of me that will ever be. And I exist in this time. That truth alone, I don't care what you believe in. I don't care. Evolution, atheism, whatever. And that's kind of an oxymoron to choose to believe in atheism. Um, But whatever you subscribe to, that truth is for you. Period. And we should all be able to agree on that. No matter, excuse me, no matter what our background, we should all be able to agree on this reality that each and every person on this earth is significant because they'll never exist again and they've never existed before and they should be left with that. And this is one, this point that you are significant. This is one just like the last point that we talked about of Jesus winning absolute victory that is so important for us as believers to choose to believe in. It is so important for us to choose to believe in this reality that we are significant. Because, again, and this is a a new spin on this this phrase that we've kind of used often. There's been several new spins on it. But you cannot give away what you refuse to receive. And if you refuse to receive truth over your life, you will not give away freedom to others because truth in God is freedom. Because the fact that you are significant, that is truth. And tell me that doesn't bring freedom. It brings freedom. It gives life to freedom. That's, that's its purpose. But you cannot give away what you refuse to receive for yourself. You cannot give away what you don't have. Cannot give away what you refuse to receive. But why would any of us, in reality, any of us believers, why would any of us struggle with this? Where can you give me evidence that you are not significant? You find me the scripture that says you are insignificant. Because that's the opposite of significance. It has to say that you are insignificant. And I'm telling you right now, I got a lot of ammo to say otherwise. And you will lose that fight all day long. It doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter past circumstances, doesn't matter past experiences. Because all that is said in here about your significance existed before, you de- made, before any of us made dumb mistakes, right? It doesn't say uh, there's an amendment to uh, 1 Corinthians. Parker, he's going to steal money from his dad, and so therefore he is condemned and no longer significant. And he'll exist in 2000 and something. It's like, no. 
This word was written, and then we existed way after. And this word is true, no matter the things that we would do in the future. It was already true. It didn't matter what we were going to do. So we can't come up with any evidence that would say that we are not significant. All And all, any, any moment, again, any moment, any circumstance that we've walked through, all of that would pale in comparison to the reality and truth that you are indeed significant. I have, I have four scriptures that I'm just going to read, but there are thousands. Because this is not a book of doing, this is a book of identity. And so with this being a book of identity, it is filled to the brim with scripture that is speaking to your significance. You do not have to flip many pages to find truth about the significance that you carry. But I just wanted to read, these are four of uh, four passages that are my favorite um, to talk about this subject. The first one I, I already mentioned, um, I didn't have it on here, but you, you are God's temple. Uh, the second one, uh, John three sixteen. So simple. We read it, we, we think it's cute to have our kids recite it, but I don't think we ever spend any time really reflecting on the reality of this, that for God so loved the world, that includes you, that includes me, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. He loved the world, He loved us. He's not talking about, well, I really like the plants, and I really love the f- pretty flowers. He loved the people that filled this place so much that He would send His only Son that He who knew no sin would become sin for the righteousness. Romans 8, 16-17, The Spirit Himself, the Spirit of God Himself, bears, testif- testifies, bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. If you say yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you choose a life of obedience operating in the will of God, you have a seat in heaven in the throne room. Not just a seat in heaven, not just a seat at God's table. You have a seat as an authority, a co-heir with the only Son of God. That means you are then a son. You are then a daughter of God. A co-heir to the kingdom of heaven. You are literally royalty is what it says to the kingdom that houses the king that created all all things. You are his heir. I would say that points to significance. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Not only did he open the door that we can be reconciled to God, but then he gave the ministry that he himself authored, that we could then continue the work of Christ. I would say that points to significance. Verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, because of all of that, everything that was just said, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. 
God making his appeal through us. If that doesn't alarm you to recognize the significance that you carry, that the creator of the universe is making his appeal to those that are lost through you. You are the creation he chose to make his appeal through. To save the world and to author the kingdom of heaven here on earth, coming now, being present now on earth as it is in heaven now, he chose you. And it doesn't say some of us, it doesn't say select few, God making his appeal through us, those that have been reconciled to God. And if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been reconciled to God. And then given the ministry of reconciliation, anointed as an ambassador for Christ, and now God making his appeal through you. 1 Peter 2, 9-10. through 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession to proclaim the virtues of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are literally the testimony of the heart of God. The walking testimony of His love for His creation is us walking around. We are the living, breathing, walking testimony of God. Jesus came, he died, he became sin who knew no sin for you to be restored back to God. What more convincing of your significance do you need? This has been this this kind of reoccurring theme over the last two weeks specifically, but just this thought of what more do we need to know? What more do we need to be taught before we're obedient? What more do we need to see before we live a life of action? What more do we need to hear before we believe all that God has spoken? What more? Jesus came and he died. If you believe that, then you cannot stop simply believing what that does. That makes you significant. Because he didn't just die so that you could go to heaven. He died so that heaven could get into you and then be established through you. A co-heir and an ambassador. That's what an ambassador does. An ambassador goes to a foreign land to establish that government in that land. That is what we're doing. So what more convincing do we need to carry the truth of our significance? And no more... And this is just, these are just these moments where we just have to proclaim this and we just have to believe this and we just have to settle into this. I just got, I was just in a counseling appointment before this, just, just talking to this person of just proclaiming truth and refusing to believe anything else. And they're, they're in the midst of this, this trench warfare, this period of time where they've removed the lie, but they're waiting on the true identity to come. And they're sitting in this in-between phase where it's just messy and it's difficult and they're rewiring the way they've thought for so many years. But it's a thousand times a day sometimes. And some days you don't even have to make the decision. You just wake up and you know what God has said to be true. And you don't have an issue for a second believing it. And there are some days where you feel like you're crawling just to make it. Because you're bombarded with things that are not true about you and it just feels so overwhelming. But all of that happens, it happens to all of us, but it comes down to these moments where we refuse. Even if we have to crawl through the lie, I'll crawl through the lie. But I refuse to tolerate 
for my own life the lie of insignificance in our lives. My life and every breath I take has been anointed with great and more significance than I could ever measure. Because this breath has led to the next breath. And that breath has led to this breath. All of these breaths. So you got to think of my first breath. The first breath that the doctors heard, that my mother heard, my parents heard in the hospital that I took was a breath that was building me to this one where I could speak the word of God. So that breath was so significant. And then the one that came after. Because all of that was building to this place. So there's not been a second where you have been insignificant. Not a second. You know, think, think of it as, as parents. Even if you've struggled with your own personal significance, every breath, every moment led you to being a parent to those kids. And they're significant. And if they're significant, I've got to be significant because I'm their parent. And which parent would say to their kids, you are insignificant? <sighs> not a one of us. Not a one of us. And if they're not, they are from you. So you are significant. Period. Do not tolerate the lie of insignificance because the thing is we are living in a world where people are walking each and every day feeling as worthless as they can feel and as hopeless as they can feel. But the sons and daughters of God are also walking in this earth. Not to adopt the way the world thinks, but to change it. That when I encounter this lady who's a cashier at a store or, or whatever and they just they feel worthless and they feel hopeless, when they see me, they feel significant. They feel hope. They know that God is good. They know that nothing is impossible. They know that Jesus won absolute victory. There is hope alive in them again and they recognize that they have value. So no more. You are significant. Sons and daughters of God, you are significant. And this is true of every person on earth. So approach them and talk to them and smile at them, believing that this truth is true about them. Every conversation you have with any person, even the ones we don't like, they are significant. And we must, we who know the truth, we must recognize that as we are in front of them, as we are interacting with them, as we are passing by, we must recognize that this person is significant. It was so profound for me. I'll never forget this. Uh, it was mine and Sarah's fourth anniversary, I believe. And my parents took the boys. We were in Houston and they had just built a really, really pretty hotel. And so we were going to go out to eat, nice place, stay at the hotel. And I'm, I, I'm not ashamed to do this. I love pedicures. I love pedicures. Massaging your feet, your calves. Oh my goodness. It's the best. So we're going to do that the next morning. But I remember, I was waiting on Sarah for something. Uh, but I was standing in our room overlooking I-10, which is, if you don't know, I-10 is a 12-lane highway. Um, is it 12? It might be more than that. It might be 14. Anyways, all that to say, there's a lot of traffic, 24-7. And I was standing at this window. We're on like the 12th floor, so just a great view. And it's just straight in front of us. I'm just watching all these cars. And I'm just watching them, and I just, this thought hit me, hits me. How many of them know who 
I called them to be. The Lord just asked. I was like, oh. I just got overwhelmed, crazy overwhelmed. Because I stood there for maybe five minutes. And I probably saw over a thousand people just in their cars drive by. So you're talking about over a, in a, in a moment, in a blink of an eye moment, I saw over a thousand lives with complex stories, intimate stories, heartbreak, rejoicing, uh, ups and downs, uh, days that have been filled with joy and days that have been filled with sorrow. Such complex stories, parents, siblings, relationships, jobs, all this stuff. So complex, just as quickly as it entered, it was gone from my story. And the Lord was teaching me the value of every second we're given. We must carry the truth that we know. And we must make sure that we believe it for ourselves so that they can believe it because sometimes we're only given that second. But then I began to dream. It's like, okay, I'm a son of God. And I'm dwelling in this place. Is there just a presence that these people are, even if I'm three, four hundred yards away from the highway, is there a presence that they're driving through? They're just, for a second, they're hitting the kingdom. And for a second, they're being left with, they're, man, I, God is good. Nothing's impossible. Is, is that possible? And I'm like, no, that's impossible. So, yeah, that's probably what God's in the business of doing because nothing is impossible. So all of that to say that there is not a second to waste. But before I can leave anyone with the impression that comes from the heart of God that they carry a great and immeasurable significance, I must first receive it for myself that I carry an immeasurable significance. God looks at me and he sees such a mighty and powerful significance that cannot be ignored and is meant to establish his kingdom. And he has given the kingdom of God and he has entrusted it to me that I could then establish it in the world around me. Amen? She agrees, so you guys better catch up. So that's the word for tonight. Before we can choose, before, or before we can pass on and deliver significance, to those around us, before we can deliver and release any truth over their story, we must first receive it for ourselves. So receive from now on and no longer tolerate anything but this truth that you are significant. And the people you speak with, the people you interact with, every one of them is significant. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.